It's the British Wrestling Experience with Martin, Ollie, and Benno. Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the British Wrestling Experience on postwrestling.com. I'm your host Martin Bushby and joining me as always are Ollie Court and Richard Benson, a.k.a. Benno. And Benno, you were away for the last show. How was your holiday? Yeah, very good, thank you. Um, busy. It was like uh, I was in Mallorca in Spain, and where I was staying felt very Butlins. Um, it was like a strange little holiday camp. We didn't realise when we booked it, but I was just sitting there the entire time thinking someone needs to start running wrestling shows at this thing. They could uh, expand All Star and get out there. That'd be awesome. But yeah, it was good. It was uh, there was not much internet out there either, so it was a good uh, good escape from the world. Uh, but glad to be back on the podcast. Oh yeah, it's good to have you back, and it's interesting because obviously we do see sort of camps as a as a British thing, but yeah, I think there's one near Barcelona as well, they have like a music festival there, but then the rest of the year round it's more like a holiday camp sort of thing, so it seems it's more of a European thing than just a straight up <laughs> British thing, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, good to have you back, and uh, I mean, what a week it's been for UK sports, I mean, not only did these two WWE UK shows air, but uh, England winning 6-1 in the World Cup on Sunday, and as we're just recording this, sorry, uh, Germany, but a uh, Yes, Germany are out of the World Cup. Uh, Ollie, have you been keeping up much with the with the World Cup so far? I mean, what a, what a result for England on Sunday. Yeah, Strigel will be very disappointed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm sure we will try not to rub it in their faces, our German friends. But uh, yeah, <laughs> World Cup's looking good so far. Um, and yeah, I, it's also a big weekend for wrestling with obviously the, the New Japan shows run in conjunction with RevPro over the weekend, which you talked about on the last show, and also Frontline Wrestling tomorrow, which I'm going to head to, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that on the next show. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it is going to be a hell of a weekend for wrestling shows, but I mean, we, we're going to talk a bit about that at the end of the show, and uh, I mean, essentially, this is going to be a WWE UK slash NXT UK special, so uh, let's get into it. I mean, before we get on to the uh, two shows that took place at the Royal Albert Hall last week, um, there's a small matter of the tournament qualifiers that took place at download festival on the 8th 9th and 10th of june i mean all these qualifiers are, are available to watch on the wwe youtube channel but um nothing really to go out of your way for but the standout match for me was the one that didn't take place in the uk jack gallagher against drew gulak um that's a a really really good match and uh, if you're picking and choosing things to watch uh, definitely uh, check that one out and i mean benno looking down the list of people who didn't qualify for the Royal Albert Hall portion of the show. Is there anyone you would have uh, rather seen go further in this tournament than what we got um, in London? I think for the most part, they made all the right calls. I think the only the only guy I was surprised, I was surprised Kenny Williams didn't go through. Mm. Um, I'm guessing they wanted another quote-unquote big lad with uh, Dave Mastiff. Um, but yeah, watching that match, it was you know your typical underdog big man match and i thought he shined a lot brighter than the the mastiff did and i thought he looked really good on 205 live as well so yeah i was surprised to see him not not wig his way all the way through to the finals of the tournament but i it feels like the in that they gave him that 205 live spot the high on kenny williams so i'd expect we'll see him again at some point yeah, definitely. And I was surprised that um, someone like Amir Jordan, especially with his uh, great entrance and mm. things, uh, he, he didn't make it any further. And um, I was quite surprised to see Joseph Connors and uh, your James Drake's go out because they were so heavily featured in the last tournament. And uh, they've been featured a lot on the, uh, you know, WWE 
house shows uh, when they come over to the UK, so quite surprised to see them not go any further. But I suppose they were wanting to look at um, new people. I mean, these are already established uh, names in WUK, so I suppose maybe they wanting to look uh, for new people. But um, onto the two big shows held on the 18th and 19th of June and uh, screened on a week's delay on the WWE Network. I mean... Before we get into the uh, matches themselves, I mean, we talked uh, about the fairly high ticket prices and the fact that the uh, first day of the tournament was up against England's first match in the World Cup, but um, the venue looked absolutely fantastic on camera here, Ollie. I thought there's a fair few empty seats, but it looked uh, full enough, didn't it? Yeah, Royal Albert Hall is is a good place for wrestling, isn't it? Um, Mm. It's just very expensive, so um, it's certainly not an indie uh, show area to, to run in mm-hmm. um but yeah they had the, like that offshoot triple a show there a couple of years ago um i'm not even sure who promoted that but it had like uh pentagon and phoenix and stuff when they were still in triple a and blue demon jr so um yeah wwe obviously returning to where they ran in the 90s and like even i've seen that footage of when uh the british bulldog was around <laughs> and the, the little kid saying british bulldog's gonna win whether he wants to or not oh no that was uh, some <laughs> 92 that one oh, that the Albert <laughs> Hall show, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <But> yeah. <laughs> obviously yeah it's somewhat of somewhat tied to wwe wf's um history in the uk so it makes sense that they ran it here Oh yeah, that was definitely a big VHS when I was a when I was a kid. Uh, the Battle Royal at the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah, got fond memories yeah. of that one. I've not really watched it back recently. I can't imagine it holds up that well, to be honest. But um, I mean, they had a, a nice package to open the show with uh, Johnny Saint, and I mean, he's a complete legend in the world of British wrestling. But not quite sure he's suited to this on-screen uh, general manager role, Benno. No, I mean, speaking of early 90s, WWF, he just reminds me of Jack Tony. Uh, Jack Tony worked because Jack Tony couldn't act whatsoever. And we've kind of got that same thing here. And it feels more legitimate. But yeah, I think they've just obviously one of uh, William Regal's probably put the good word in. And they, you always notice this when, when anyone tries to you know run a show like this. RevPro have done it. ITV used Roll, sorry, not ITV, TNA used Rollerball Rocco in a similar role when they were doing British Boot Camp. They do try and tie it to a legend, but yeah, not a not a great debut for him. Um, I wonder if he'd be better in just backstage segments or or if maybe they'll have second thoughts. But uh, I guess we'll see how long they give him. But yeah, he didn't, uh, didn't hugely impress me. And yeah, just, just the notes on the venue the venue looked in absolutely incredible it just really was a shame that it it wasn't fully sold out and there were a, a couple of seats there i hope there to be of a learned a little bit of a, a lesson with the market both with the, the pricing and uh running head-to-head with the world cup i mean you've got to think it, it, it might have been a bit fuller on a weekend like these were on a mm. monday and a tuesday so we'll yeah um, interesting to see if they run it on a on a friday or a saturday night might uh, get more people in there but um moving on to the matches um Perfect opener for me. We had uh, Jack Gallagher again taking on Zach Gibson. Um, these two know each other very well, faced off numerous times for the Manchester-based promotion Future Shock Wrestling. And we had uh, Manchester against Liverpool here, Ben. I thought it a great opener for uh, the first match on the first show. Definitely, yeah. I've been watching these two wrestle in a, in the Northwest area for years now, and you can just guarantee that you're going to get a great match out of these two. Um, they've just got so much chemistry, and you could just tell straight away. And it was good, kind of, to put them out there first. 
in a way, I was watching it thinking, ah, oh, this is a little bit slow for an opener, but I like, you know, putting a, a technical, very British-looking match out there first. I think that's a, a good idea if you're, you're trying to build a territory there. And it, it was good use of Jack Gallagher as well, who's very much uh, lost in, in 205 Live Wonderland. I don't know what's going on with uh, with him in main roster, so I'd like to see him in, in WWE UK and like to see him in matches like this, where it did feel as well, like he was, because he was in there with his old mate, he was pulling out you know weird and, and wonderful stuff that you don't always see from on 205 live weird sentons into chokes and all kinds of weird stuff like this and again a match structure that's very different to, to what he'd usually do a much more patient build that was you know there to be a good opener but also there to to build up zach gibson who walked into immediate heat and mm. uh, part of me was kind of going if you were watching this as a new fan you'd be looking at zach gibson and going why do all these people hate him so much <laughs> apart from the fact that he's from liverpool uh, which i won't take personally <laughs> but you'd look at that and straight away think that's a star i don't know why he's so over but he is so over and i just thought it was a brilliant statement match both in style and in, in putting gibson out there and uh, putting him out there so strong and putting him over yeah, because it was a, it was a, you seem to be an interesting mix of fans here. You sort of regular WWE fans, and then obviously a lot, of, a lot of their chants and singing were familiar from uh, Progress and Red Pro and and various UK promotions such as that. So it seemed to be a mix of fans. But uh, yeah, like Benno said there, Ollie, it seemed Gibson immediately had tons of heat from this first match, and then for the next two nights. I mean, clearly the tournament was kind of built around Gibson and ensuring that he got over as a star for the brand going forward. And they signed him away from the other guys. He like he was nothing to do with world of sport and trying to stifle that. Like they wanted him, <laughs> which uh, like obviously some of these other guys, you know, they weren't the spot, but they weren't exactly standing out on an individual basis. That's not why they're here. But Gibson, yeah, they wanted him for the brand and for like NXT going forward. So he's more than earned it. We constantly talk about him making the most of his TV opportunities, you know, being literally the only good thing about five star wrestling. Um, <laughs> and so it's great to see him thrive in this environment because it's what he's been working towards. He's made himself a TV guy. This is what he's been building himself up to. And it's great to see him succeed in that venture. It's uh, also interesting to see that uh, his two his quarterfinal match and his semifinal match were against his two most regular opponents in progress. Uh, he had a lot of matches against Gallagher, as you said, but also against Webster, um, including the Natural Progression Series 2 final. Um, so I think part of that was probably a conscious decision. They wanted to pair him against guys he's ultra familiar with mm. and they know he can get a good match with and who know are going to sell for him a lot. Uh, like those are two prime Gibson matchups. So they really wanted to make him look good going into the final and they definitely did. And uh, obviously, you just know that Gibson went through. And then uh, the next matchup we had was uh, Joe Coffey taking on Dave Mastiff to uh, Big Lads. Well, Big Lads, as far as the UK is is concerned. And um, I thought I enjoyed this one because uh, Mastiff's usually best off in these uh, short matches where he gets to showcase a lot of his uh, power moves. And uh, Coffey was usually known for being in ICW. Um, I thought these two had a, a pretty decent match here, Benno. 
Yeah, I thought it was fine. I mean, I'm not hugely high on on either of these guys, um, but I did think the match was was solid enough. Um, I don't know what it is. I, I think it's. I think Mastiff. I do feel like his best years are, are behind him, um, and it's a bit late for him to be getting this run. But you never know. He might surprise us. And this wasn't the the absolute worst uh, start. They're obviously uh, big on coffee uh, and his brother, giving him a, a little bit of promo time here as well. Thought that was a, an interesting choice, uh, making him kind of the mm. at least the the, the flagship heel in the lower echelons of the of the tournament um but yeah i thought it was it was a solid match it was the the stuff on the outside where they were going back and forth and and doing big lad stuff was good um but yeah i think you've you've hit the nail on the head the big for the uk but i can't see either of these guys uh, going a huge amount further just because uh, especially with master i think his whole gimmick is that he's a big guy and i I don't think he'd be he'd be too big in the lines of the giants wwe um but yeah i I do think both of them uh, they gave a a good account of themselves and i think it was a a solid match if not hugely spectacular yeah it was interesting when kathy kelly got in the ring afterwards and uh i think it was the only person that she got in the ring for on this first night and uh getting some promo time interesting that they picked coffee for that role ollie well, yeah, but like sort of part of Triple H's uh, thing has been, oh, he likes progress and ICW's character work and that they give him promo time. So clearly, I don't know, <laughs> he's been firing up his ICW on demand and seeing some coffee promos and liking what he's seen. Obviously, they then debuted him and Mark Coffey. Um, now, I'm sure <laughs> Mark Coffey has nothing to do with all the sport as well, but <laughs> I'll stop mentioning that now. <laughs> um uh, but yeah, they debuted them as like a heel tag team for the brand again, building stuff up. And this is sort of where the show got into fast forward with this these matches all going less than ten minutes. And I thought like I don't know, <laughs> like I wasn't even skipping over any time, and they were going by quite quickly. So I was quite surprised. Um, none of them overstayed their welcome. But I thought you know the next match we're going to talk about Webster versus Devlin definitely could have had more time to develop into something more because it was good while it lasted but i just felt the show was in a bit of fast forward mode because they had so many matches to get through well um, you mentioned it there match three was a uh, flash morgan was taking on jordan devlin obviously all three of us have got awful memories of uh devlin's last uh WWE uk tournament appearances and um i sort of had my head in my hands when um, as soon as he went to the match graphic Nigel McGuinness was saying oh something about Finn Balor you know what I mean I was like oh god here oh. we go again the constant <laughs> Finn Balor comparisons but I thought um, like you know there Ollie the match was very short but I thought um, Devlin had, um, had a, a better show in this time around yeah definitely it was a much better match than the one against Birch as you say which was Devlin's worst match ever on the biggest <laughs> stage but at least he got a second chance um and yeah, disappointed that he didn't go through here instead of Webster. Uh, but Webster was all right in this tournament. Like, I still don't think he'll ever be a star. But um, in terms of being in WWE, I feel like he could make it onto 205 Live. Like, he was on the show recently and didn't look out of place. Um, like, lining up alongside the other 205 guys. So I feel like if that is his ceiling, then he, he at least can thrive in that aspect of WWE UK, whatever his career trajectory is he he has a place on the card i just don't see him ever getting beyond that at least not in his current guise i think that they definitely seem to see something in him don't they um so i think i'd share your confidence there that, that they obviously putting him on 205 live in the past and they seem to like the character as well. I mean, I'm not, I've not hugely been sold on Flash Morgan Webster in, uh, in some of the ways he's booked in other promotions, but I do think, yeah, WWE 
seem to be getting behind them, don't mm-hmm. they? And uh, this isn't, again, I think Flash Morgan Webster's best matches. Uh, I mean, there's one we're going to talk about later where he's more of an underdog. This felt more, this was the most indie match of the cards. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely, it was very much a, a big shootout. And the crowd responded, you know, to the big Spanish fly off the top and uh, Morgan Webster hit a triple dive. And the fans were really getting into that stuff. So it was cool to to have a match of that style here. Um, but yeah, I think Flash Morgan Webster's maybe better as a as an underdog. So, uh, I think we saw the the, be- the best of him later in the tournament. But yeah, on, on Devlin, I was kind of going in thinking, oh, it's going to be one of those take a shot every time WWE mentions uh, Finn Balor. Mm. Uh, but we didn't get a huge amount no. of that here. He, he was allowed to stand on his, his own two feet a bit more. And again, having a big indie style shootout match, I think, helped. Um, it just seems to be a thing, doesn't it, with Devlin that he has to go since the last tournament everywhere he goes. He has to win over the fans and uh, quiet down some of those those chants about, uh, about Finn Balor and about the oh, size God. of his head. <laughs> um, and I do think matches like this will, will go away to help that. So I'm quietly confident that uh, we'll see better things from him in the future. Yeah, exactly. And uh, moving on, we had uh, the Progress champion Travis Banks taking on Ashton Smith. And uh, Travis Banks... Um, had a fantastic uh, year last year in ring, and um, he's sort of like been not as good this year. Maybe you know some questionable booking in in certain promotions, but um, I thought he had an amazing tournament. But um, what did you think about uh, this match, Ali? I mean, interesting him going up against Ashton Smith, who's uh, who's mainly known for promotions such as Future Shock uh, in Manchester. Mm, yeah, Ashton Smith was kind of in the Sam Gradwell role here of just sort of being the extra guy in the quarterfinals. Um, maybe not as big a name as the other seven. Um, and this match was polished off in, I think, shorter time than any of the others. So, yeah, kind of here just to make Banks look good. And I probably will put out my Banks opinions on this show and his performances here, like, in his later matches, because that's when they're more relevant. Mm. But, yeah, like, if this is a much better showing than he's had recently in progress. And I think that's not all to do with him, but more how he was presented. Yeah, the match felt all about him, didn't it? This, it just, like you say, Ashton Smith just, it didn't feel like, he looked rough, I thought, in this match. It, he didn't really look like he, he belonged on the level. I don't know if it was nerves or what. I've seen him do decent stuff in mm. uh, in PCW, but yeah, here he just looked a little bit like he had two left feet, and yeah, it was an all right match, but it was something of a nothing match. I was just glad the, the right man went over um, on, on this one, because yeah, Ashton Smith... I don't know what, what you do with him in the future. He feels like one Ollie mentioned before about ITV. He feels like a grab because he, he was on ITV last yeah. time. I'm not sure mm. where else you slot him. And um, obviously Travis Banks went through on that one. And then we are on to um, the, the women's match, which was a three-way between Tony Storm, Killer Kelly and Isla Dawn. And obviously this was originally a four-way um, that included Ginny. However, a friend of the show, Ian Hamilton, who was there live, told me that the match had originally started with Ginny. And after a few minutes, she and Kelly caught Isla off a crossbody and Ginny was injured. So uh, I think they went to the NXT UK announcement and then uh, the three ladies came back out for the three way and i mean Ginny's just gone back from her injury and doesn't seem mm. i mean this doesn't seem quite as serious she's still announced for the progress summit over america so hope all is well with Ginny, and um this isn't another uh injury where she's out for too long but interesting well, this, sorry uh, Ollie. this isn't the first time she's been injured catching someone off a dive to the outside i question who's the person keeping putting her in that position because she's mm. diminutive to say the least i mean like someone else should be catching that. Tony Storm should be catching that in this match. Like I think back to like the the triple threat she had with Tony and Laura Di Matteo. 
Last Summer in Progress, and that was just like a collection of people putting their bodies in positions where they shouldn't have been. <laughs> like, it, yeah, I don't know. It's it's very questionable, and it sucks to see because obviously she's a talent, and she's probably going to be a major part of the women's scene in NXT UK, whatever that manifests as. So, you know, you can't keep putting your your potentially star talent in positions where they shouldn't be. It's it's very frustrating. Yeah, it's very true. I've not even considered that. Yeah, like you say, perhaps uh, she shouldn't be taking these uh, crossbodies to the outside, but uh, perhaps they'll learn from the mistake on this one. And um, I thought this was an interesting lineup for the women's uh, match. I mean, Tony Storm, uh, obviously in the May Young Classic last year and has been on the British scene for a few years now, appearing everywhere, holding the Progress Women's title until recently. Yeah. Uh, Isla Dawn used to wrestle as Courtney in ICW a few years back. I'm not, I'm not really sure where she's been appeared or, for the past couple of years. Obviously, the real-life girlfriend of uh, Alistair Black. And then Killer Kelly is someone who's really burst out on the European scene this year. I mean, mainly appearing for the German promotion WXW. I mean, Oli, you've seen quite a lot of uh, Kelly appear for WXW. Yeah, I mean, well, she only really came onto our radar last October at World Tag League where she was... Uh, not last minute replacement in the Femme Fatale mini tournament they had, which is kind of like um, their little tournament they do on Saturday before night two um, of the Tag League. And yeah, she was very impressive in that showing and she got another match against Ginny, I believe, um, that night, actually. So she impressed WXW um, there and got a regular shot on their shows, like beyond just being a worker in the academy. Like she was... She'd moved from Portugal to the academy to wrestle there for a few months, but like she suddenly was thrust into sort of this central role in the burgeoning women's division. Had a mini feud with Tony Storm. She was the first champion, but like the first women's champion they had. But the story was kind of that she got lucky and lost it to Tony Storm immediately, and they're going to eventually cycle around to her beating Storm eventually. Um, but right now they're best buds. Um, and yeah, it's been a very good run for her. She has looked green at times, and certainly, um, like over these two nights, she didn't put on her best work. But I think the improvement that we've seen from her just from October through to when we saw her again at 16 Carat in March, like you can tell that she's come on leaps and bounds by being in that academy, which is actually where Tony Storm became so good <laughs> because before then she wasn't like she was sort of in Killer Kelly's position now, and when she moved to WXW for. Uh, like a full tour after that she like she showed that she was a blue chipper and that she had all the potential in the world which she's now living up to so kelly may not meet that same trajectory but if she can even like get near to tony storm's level like that'll be a, a great success for someone we knew nothing about a few months ago well, exactly. And I mean, Benno, they were in a tight spot here, thinking they were having the four-way and then having to quickly scramble together for this three-way. I mean, the crowd who weren't that hot for the majority of the show were quite tepid for this one. Yeah, it it just did feel like a bit of a, I don't know, a bit of a, a down match. The the ring announcer even, they left in the audio, the ring announcer, didn't they, announcing it as a four-way, yeah. which was really <laughs> a, a gap you don't often get from WWE. Um, I think Tony Storm was clearly the star here. Uh, interesting, she can't do the, uh, the strong zero, so she's got a new uh, finish for WWE. I think she was doing that in the May Young Classic as well. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, it was a decent match, but it was all about Tony Storm, really. I think uh, Killer Kelly 
did get to, you know, she hit some stiff stuff in there. I think she'd maybe stand out a little bit more if there weren't already several gum shield totem women about in uh, <laughs> in WWE. Um, but she has got something different. So she looked all right if it wasn't you know, the, the best weekend for her. And I think, yeah, this match was more to initially get four women on the show, but to get three women on the show and mainly to get Tony Storm over. So mm. if it, it, it fit a purpose, if it wasn't the, uh, a huge match to write home about. So on the network, uh, Triple H came out to an absolute monster pop and he uh, made the big announcement of uh, NXT UK and said there'll be a women's division, a tag team championship and uh, monthly TV tapings and they announced the uh, first lot of uh, locations are going to be Cambridge, Birmingham, Plymouth and Liverpool. I mean, we'll get into the the effects uh, this will have on the UK scene later, but Ollie, I mean, what did you think of the locations for this uh, new WWE NXT UK project? Yeah, they're suddenly going up, down, and around. Um, like, obviously, it's kind of scary that <laughs> Triple H is just attempting to buy the UK indies um, and stifle World of Sport in its sleep before it even, uh, you know, gets going. Um yeah, it's certainly not my cup of tea, so I'm probably not the best person to talk at length about it because I'm probably not going to be watching it too much. Um, you know, we'll probably talk about it when something significant happens, but like, uh, I think we're probably going to keep things mainly independent focused, um, lest we just become a WWE podcast. Because if it's going to be monthly tapings, uh, it'll be happening a lot. <laughs> like every week, there'll be a show on the network. Um, yeah, it's good for the guys certainly who are signed on. If they if it can become a thing and become a regular part of WWE's output, um, but it's just scary that it might become the case where British wrestling is just WWE or NXT UK, and it like that's the only the, the only thing going, and everything else is so tiny that it is insignificant. So I'm <laughs> I'm certainly rooting for the more independent minded promotions who will continue doing their own thing away from WWE and not, you know, promotions that are just going to be designed to be NXT UK feeder systems. I mean, they're coming to your hometown of Liverpool, Benno. Uh, are you interested in going? Is that the one in December? Yeah, I mean, I wonder about that. It's right at the end of the year. Um, and that's kind of my biggest take is the what's the appetite for another NXT style, you know, solid one hour TV product, which I assume this is going to be. I mean, I don't watch NXT myself. I'll, I'll watch the takeovers, but I don't watch a lot of the, the weekly TV, which feels like a, a common thing among fans. I just wonder what the appetite is for for more mm. of the same. Um, mm. Maybe they'll do UK takeover type things. I saw someone say that they should be called a, a takeaway in the uk that could work um but i wonder about yeah the viability of that i wonder come you know the end of the year november december uh when it gets those those last tapings what's the the buzz going to be like because there wasn't a huge amount of buzz going into these tapings it didn't feel like there was a lot of activity online uh, during the shows so yeah i'm, I'm not hugely uh i don't know I, I, i'm not i'll probably end up going um and i'll be watching it because it's a it's a big news story but yeah i do wonder a little bit and i wonder about the the knock-on effect on, on even the promotions that are aligned the likes of progress uh, if you're using the same roster as them um does one roster become lesser it's hard to to make those things different um so yeah i, I do wonder about it going forward but yeah as as ollie said you know that the the one thing that everyone you know continues to underline 
great opportunity for the guys involved, uh, the likes of uh, an Eddie Dennis. You know that this is the type of contract I'm sure he was after when he went. Uh, you know, he gave up his teaching job. Um, so there is, there's definitely positives there. But yeah, I'm uh, still somewhat wary, uh, just like Ollie. And we were back into the uh, the tournament portion of the show. We had the first semi-final, Slash Morgan Webb's taking on Zach Gibson, and sort of Zach teased uh, a bit of a handshake with uh, with Flash at the start. And um, another short match here, Benno, but uh, another match uh, to really uh, get Gibson over. Yeah, this was one of my favourites of the tournament. I just, again, it was there to get Gibson over, but I like the fact that they had Morgan Webster attack him straight from the start. You know, hit a runner on the outside and try and, you know, get... It was a sprint, really. Uh, as much as it was a typical underdog mean heel match, which is Webster in his ideal role, and it's Gibster in his ideal role with his kind of slower, methodic uh, healing, uh, it was still a great uh, sprint of a match. At least it was a, a short, a really punchy match. And yeah, I think it, it was good for both men. Good for Gibson. I think it established exactly why they've got him. He's very much a, he's not so much an indie style guy. He's very much a WWE style wrestler, or at least the traditional WWE style. So I think he's he's a perfect fit. And yeah, it was just a an excellent match. And I think they, they nailed the presentation of uh, of both men here. And moving on to the second semi-final, I think uh, this is really where we start to see uh, Travis Banks coming into his own here. I mean, he's well known for his uh, fiery comebacks and he had um, he had a lot of these against uh, Joe Coffey here, Ollie. Yeah, like I say, Banks put in great performances on the show and like he hasn't been put in the same positions to give great performances in progress and elsewhere this year as much as he has been in the past. Like one of my favorite moments of all time in Britress is him winning the Infinity Tournament. It was, was such an incredible reaction and a babyface reaction and the way Progress have sort of turned him heel and turned him tongue in cheek. It's it's against what he does best, which is firing up and getting the crowd behind him. And just the way they booked him as a babyface because they can't book babyface champions <laughs> made it so that they had to turn him heel and it doesn't play to his strengths. So it was good to see him sort of get back into that role again, sort of shed shed off all the, the history that he's had, you know, in a promotion like Progress and just get to be, you know, back to basics Travis Banks, how we saw him originally back in 2016 when he first came over. So, yeah, it was a good performance here again for him. And like it, these two semifinals, far from being like great matches of themselves, they were good for heating up the winners for the final, which I thought was the best match of the show. And like they really, really milked both the heel and baby face reactions for all they were worth. Like if you're going to do a, a WWE style match with UK guys, that was almost like the best you could hope for, really, from Gibson and Banks and like the head path through the tournament really helped set them up for that I mean, interesting that they uh went with this injury um angle at the end here benno obviously after banks won coffee went crazy and laid a beating on him and um he ended up with a, a shoulder injury that uh, they continued to uh play through the next two days they do like to do that in the booking don't they we had something yeah. similar last year <laughs> so and same, same angle <laughs> similar recently in the world cup um, but it, I mean, it kind of works, doesn't it? Because this is a, I mean, again, I'm a slightly negative on the future of an NXT UK show, but these types of tournament shows, they do knock out of the park. And part of the reason is they're very match heavy. And when you get an angle like this, you're not expecting it whatsoever. So I think it really worked uh, from that point of view, even if it did feel like a, a little bit of a, of a repeat. Um, but yeah, a, a good match all in all. And 
yeah, it was. Uh, I think it's probably the the best showing, one of the better showings I've seen from from Joe Coffey and uh, and as Ollie said, the the way this is the way Travis Banks should be presented, and I think uh, another uh, stronger example of a match for him. Yeah, you can tell Triple H is behind these sort of tournament uh, shows because, as Bruce Pritchard's always saying on his podcast, Vince hates uh, <laughs> hates the tournament. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, great uh, to see them doing it over here and. Um, I mean, if anyone was ever wondering whether who would be headlining a, a UK WWE show, I mean, those uh, doubts were really put to rest in this next match as the crowd just came absolutely unglued from their seats and went insane for um, this uh, match between British Strong Style, Tyler Bate, Trent Seven and Pete Dunne taking on Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, Kylo Riley, and Roderick Strong. And this was a fantastic match. I mean, it was uh, a bit all over the shop, but that's exactly what uh, the crowd needed at this point. And so much offense from British Strong Style here. I mean, Undisputed Era seemed to be like running away for the entirety of the match and a uh, really enjoyable match. Uh, didn't mean a great deal, but it, it was fantastic watching it at, at the time, Ollie. Yeah, Dunn, Bate, and Seven all came off like really big stars, and they presented Bate and Dunn really, really well, which sort of makes me question why they're even doing, well, well <laughs> I've answered that question, why they're doing NXT UK a million times, and it's World of Sport, but Dunn and Bate are good enough to be on the main roster right now, so, like, it as a vehicle for them, like, it's certainly a decent idea, but I feel like like matches like these and reactions like these show that they can actually do the WWE style very well already. And this almost seems like a too small a platform for them. Um, like, Trent Seven certainly adds a lot of personality to the act. Like, Dunn and Bate as baby faces playing all the tongue in cheek, um, you know, smarmy stuff. It doesn't really work unless Trent Seven's there as well, because he is that, whereas they really aren't. Um, like, they have characters that they can develop all of their own in the future of their careers, but right now, what they are is sort of delivered by Trent Seven and then Dunham Bate are sort of like the potential stars. So as they're slotted, I couldn't really see the act without Trent Seven. Um, but yeah, obviously Dunham Bate are the future stars that this whole brand is built around, basically. Um, and it was great to see them get that reaction and get all the shine in this match and get the win as well. Um, and yeah, just a good match to complement the tournament because obviously the tournament can get a bit dry in all those matches going through in like five minutes each. They needed to be a sort of extended fun time for the crowd, and that's what happened here. So, yeah, again, like I'm not sure whether Dunn and Bate should be in, an, in NXT UK, the feeder system to the feeder system, because I feel like <laughs> they're better than that already, but, you know, it's what we've got. Any thoughts on uh, the six-man here, Benno? Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I really enjoy, as a match, I thought it was it was a, it was clearly a level above everything else on the show. I'd enjoyed everything else on the show, but this was as as you both just said. This was this felt like when the stars came out uh, and British Strong Style did really look like absolute stars in in this setting, which is I do think a positive for for the possibility of the the other guys in this tournament. Um, I think I mean I agree. I think Pete Dunne uh, could be doing better things on main roster. I'm not so sure on Tyler Bate. Uh, I think in the segments where he's been on NXT, especially the promos, I think he's been pretty bad. Uh, I think his matches are great. 
but in a WWE setting, I think you do need a little bit more. And as as Ollie said, you, the fact that Trent is there to carry a lot of the, the personality side, I think is really helpful for him at the moment. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a, as a trio, the huge stars, it was a great match, you know, being in there with the Undisputed Era, the fans treated all, all six men like they were stars. I was made up just because it was a match where they weren't going to be doing the ironic Triple H spots that have got <laughs> absolutely sick to the back teeth of on the indies. They can't do that here, British Strong Style. So in a way, I almost feel like you get a better, at least from a six-man point of view, a better British Strong Style match here. But yeah, it, it went a million miles an hour. It was absolutely awesome. And I think everybody in the match looked great. And again, it did fit all over. I've enjoyed the rest of the show. This, you know, took it up a notch. And this is the type of match I'd, I'd be recommending people to, to go out the way to see. And before we got to the main event, um, the tournament final between Travis Banks and Zach Gibson, uh, Shawn Michaels was out looking uh, like he'd been on a farm in Devon all day with his uh, jeans and his t-shirt and um, looked look really <laughs> weird now with, the, with his, all his hair cut off. And uh, just a, a quick moment there, it was quite funny when the crowd was singing along with his song and uh, he seemed to quite enjoy that before we got into the... Uh, the main event and um i mean it's sort of been wavering along quite nicely but this was uh you know where it went up a, another notch for me i mean uh gibson looked fantastic here working uh, working over banks's arm and uh banks uh literally shot any memory of uh the past sort of like three or four months and uh really showcased where why we'd enjoyed him so much last year really yeah they both just milked what they're best at for all it's worth like at banks was very very good as sympathetic babyface you know that visual of him being in the shankly gates and refusing to give up um yeah with the wwe tape <laughs> it was almost daniel bryan-esque with all the, the tape he had and him always being in submission holds against the bigger guy um like they love that visual in wwe and he played up to it perfectly so for what they were going for here with nxt uk this was almost a perfect final they could have had obviously it wasn't the same blow away thing that Dunn and Bate had last year. This was a lot more, you know, like focused on the character work, but it's what the two guys are good at, especially Gibson and Gibson, you know, he'd, he'd earn all the monster vitriol that he'd gotten throughout the tour, throughout the night. And as you said, at the start, um, like he came out and everyone was booing him. And if you'd never seen him before, you wouldn't really know why. Um, but by the end of the night, he made sure you knew why. So, I think they've made another guy with Gibson here, and he can now have the same sort of reactions that British Strong Style get, but obviously on on the reverse side. And if they are going to have Dun and Bate be the smarmy baby faces, then Gibson's the perfect foil for them going forward with this brand. So, um, so this tournament was certainly a lot more subdued, didn't get the same kind of hype as last year's one. Um, and it wasn't as good as last year's one, but I think the final delivered what it needed to. And Gibson, you know, we've been praising him all year for how good he's come across on TV and he's done it again. Yeah, he, he was just uh, an absolute star here. And as we, as you said there, Owen, as we keep saying, this this night was about him. He's a made man now. He really is. Um, not to say Banks didn't look good either. Banks looked yeah. great in, in defeat too. Um, but I do think this match just really established both of them. And I think the fact that they'd spent all night uh, getting over um, Gibson's finish and building building it and letting him get wins with it and then also all you know doing the injury angle with with travis banks and having the injured shoulder made 
for the perfect marriage because when they got to the near falls here, it just felt like there was a lot of drama when he grabbed the Shankly Gates and it was on the injured arm of Travis Banks. I just thought that was brilliant. And it again, part of me was watching it going, oh, I wish I, I was watching this unspoiled because I'd love to maybe not know if this was the, the finish or not. But I still think they, they kind of pulled me in with the drama there with Banks being really desperate towards the end, hitting all his big moves, but not just quite getting there. And yeah, he looked like a an absolutely valiant babyface well they you know mission accomplished they got zach gibson over and this night was uh, all about him and like ollie said they've uh, they've made another star here yeah something that we'd not really touch on how well they got uh, over uh, gibson's submission finish at the shankly gates i mean in the first two matches people were tapping out to it instantly so by the time you got to this match mm. and uh, the match the night after it was like as soon as he hit that on everyone was like out of the seats you know expecting like you know a, a tap out immediately so they did a really great job in, in getting over that submission uh, in, especially in this first night and i mean uh, sean michaels johnny say and triple h all came out to uh you know celebrate with gibson and then uh something that was cut out from the network gibson did an amazing promo that wwe uh put on their um put on their twitter feed and their youtube channel and this is i mean we've not really discussed it but this muting and unmuting of the crowd and it really came across mm-hmm. in this promo on twitter i mean it was a fantastic promo but i'm not sure if they were chanting shut the fuck up gibson or what but you can instantly <laughs> tell as soon as the crowd noise goes to some stock crowd noise that wwe have got so yeah benno i thought it was uh it was i didn't really notice it at first but especially on the promo that they put on twitter uh, this muting and unmuting of the crowd really made it sound quite weird didn't it it did hurt the atmosphere a little bit, yeah, I'm glad we're, we're talking about that now, because, yeah, throughout the night, there were weird moments, you know, the Travis, Travis, because they were cutting out the swimmers <laughs> on his chance as well, that was awful, and yeah, it kind of, it did hurt some of the matches, and it did hurt some of the crowd reaction, um, I remember when I went to the the original ITV taping, they, they specifically told us no swears, so I'm surprised that we, we haven't done the same thing with the crowd here, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it hurt as well, because I suppose the one thing missing from making Gibson on this night was to let him, you know, cut a, a big promo, so it was a shame that that was a, a bit of a, an online exclusive, it was uh, still a fire promo, but yeah, it was definitely hurt by the, uh, the 2K18 sounding crowd noise that they had to uh, dip in and out of and then we're on tonight too and um the ring was changed here wasn't it it was uh, the full nxt brand in black canvas uh turnbuckles and ring entrance and and the entrance way as well so um there was a bigger crowd here and uh, we opened up with a bang as mustache mountain defeated undisputed era for the nxt tag team championships fantastic opener and the crowd went absolutely crazy for this win ollie yeah, this is a more focused matchup than the six-man, which was kind of just a for-the-crowd special. Um, obviously, because it was sort of more in-universe with Mustache Mountain winning the tag championships and then <laughs> losing them before it had aired, and then coming up in progress with the tag titles that they had not even not won on tape and also lost in real life. So on neither timeline, because <laughs> they claimed to have been champions, but they were out there anyway, which was very amusing. But <laughs> yeah, th- this was probably um, probably my second favorite match of the two days, other than the final of the tournament. Um, yeah, I just, the Undisputed Era, just, yeah, as an NXT actor, I don't watch NXT. I don't really have too much of an opinion on them. I like both guys, especially O'Reilly, but like, again, as cool heels, um, very much in that sort of bullet club shirt wearing zone that I try and avoid. <laughs> um, even though that, yeah, the work is good and this was a fun match. Uh, 
it's just nothing I can get too invested in because like NXT just doesn't do much for me anymore. I think it was one of the matches that definitely had one of the, the biggest reactions, I would say, though. It did feel like there was a moment in here, wasn't there, when uh, when it looked like they were about to win the belt to Mustache Mountain and you could see the people in the background getting to their feet when they realized there was a title change coming. Mm. Uh, it did feel important. Uh, yeah, I think part definitely. of that is the fact that Strong and O'Reilly are over at NXT. It, it definitely was one of the bigger pops of the two matches. Yeah, I thought it was a great match. I just thought it was, a another, like I said before, a good example of uh, what's so good about Mustache Mountain. They had Trent taking the heat. I think he knows his role in this set, and he's here for Tyler to do the, the hard work, and he's here to provide a lot of the personality. Um, but he was very sympathetic, and Tyler looked got to look like Superman doing uh, double German suplexes and, and all kinds of strongman stuff so yeah i thought it was a, definitely a highlight of the, of the couple of days and it although yeah they might have undone it a little bit with uh with what ha- went on with nxt uh, later on uh it did feel like a, a big moment for the building and the, the people in the building certainly seemed to uh to feel that way and uh, on to the next match, we had uh, Kelly, Kelly taking on Charlie Morgan. I mean, this wasn't a bad match. It wasn't that great either. I mean, these two had a much better match for Pro Wrestling Eve the week before this one. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of Charlie Morgan. Great to see her at a period, but definitely not the best from these two. And um, the crowd was completely dead for this one, Ollie. I think part of this was actually because the ring is a lot bigger than either of them are used to. Like, they've never wrestled in a ring that size for a crowd that size. And I think maybe... Like, obviously, we know that, like, changing the di- di- uh, dimensions of the ring changes how you wrestle, because obviously it's an extra step to the ropes, and, you know, it can throw you off, especially uh, both these women have moves where, you know, they run across the ring charge and run around the ring. Um, so it definitely kind of threw, threw off the timing. So it was maybe a more awkward match than a lot of the other matches on these shows. Um, and, yeah neither of their best work like charlie morgan comes across so well in eve and then just not at all well anywhere else so it's <laughs> it's kind of a strange one like she really thrives in that environment where she is the center of attention where she is the ace of eve um and then not really at all anywhere else like i don't know like obviously she's still early in her career and has a lot to grow into and same for kelly so there's nothing you can say too much about this match it just wasn't as good as maybe some of the other matches on this show and maybe a bit unfair of them to judge based on that. Yeah, I wonder if it's a confidence thing with Charlie Morgan because, yeah. like you said, um, I'll give them the the excuse of the big ring, but she's been terrible in progress as well. Yeah, she's, same. You know, all yeah. the poise of Wiley Coyote at times when she's so good in EVE. Um, I just thought the opener of this match, there was like an exchange between the two where they both kipped up and they both seemed to be facing the wrong way, which just, it, they started badly. I just thought this was by far the worst match of the couple of days and i do like killer kelly but it just really wasn't of the, of the standard of the rest of the stuff and yeah it wasn't a wasn't a great advert for for either woman even if we, we do know that they've uh, they've done better work elsewhere and then the next match was supposed originally supposed to be a three-way between mark andrews travis banks and flash morgan webster but out came uh, general manager johnny sane here here lads are making this a four-way and so the return of a fatal match <laughs> <laughs> So the return of Gnome Dara looked absolutely ripped to the gills, and this was just sort of like a, an NXT house show uh, match here, I thought, Ollie. Yeah, I haven't seen any of Dar's stuff since the Cruiserweight Classic, so I I really don't have, you know, I didn't even know he was injured, so that's how in the loop I've been with WWE and 205 Live. Um, but yeah, this certainly played to their strengths, you know, on the, the Brit Rest uh classic of throwing loads and loads of guys into a match and letting them do 
all their shit <laughs> and this was exactly that so if it wanted to be authentic Britress, this was certainly a, a good show on that i'm maybe just a little, little bit disappointed that banks after you know doing so well on the first night performing really well and getting a lot of shine coming up just short to gibson was kind of just a throwaway in this match i would have preferred it if he was more focused on but uh like obviously the coffee attack afterwards I feel like they could probably transition Banks into a feud there. But yeah, it's just a bit of a shame that he didn't come off that final on the same level as like a Pete Dunne came off losing the final of the UK tournament, but was still a, a, came out of it looking like a star, whereas Banks feels like only on the level of these guys. Yeah, I kind of, I was surprised at that. I did think this would be a showcase for, for him. Um, but yeah, it was very much about Noam Dar, and I get it. Dar's under contract. Uh, you want to do something with him. This is probably right because I don't think he's ever looked good um, in his fleeting appearances on Monday Night Raw. So it's probably a, a good idea to do a bit of a, a reset with him. But yeah, he, he wouldn't have been my choice to go over. Um, although, yeah, it, it was a fun match. It's always fun, isn't it, to see a reverse run or a WWE show. I wonder whether uh, Mark Andrews got a telling off for that. But yeah, it was very much a, your fun four-way match, if not a huge amount of uh, depth to take from it. I know, you'll be forgiven for uh, forgetting this guy was even part of WWE UK in the next match. Uh, we had Wolfgang taking on uh, the NXT North American champion Adam Cole, and um, it was a weird match, this, because I don't think anyone was expecting Wolfgang, even after the uh, opening match with the uh, title change. I don't think anyone was really expecting Wolfgang to uh, win the title off Adam Adam Cole here, Ollie. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you'll be forgiven for me. Uh, you'll have to forgive me for skipping this match liberally <laughs> and only you know catching the crucial bits of it um because i really dislike adam cole and wolfgang i enjoyed his series with trent seven in icw the only time i've ever enjoyed icw <laughs> last year um but yeah he absolutely does nothing for me and <laughs> so this is about the worst match you could ever make for me um and yeah no i don't think anybody bought wolfgang beating cole for a second um <laughs> not exactly the best matchup, but inexplicably they do love Wolfgang, so <laughs> it, he'll continue to flirt on the edges of NXT UK for some reason. Yeah, unfortunately, I did watch it and I did almost fall asleep. It was just this was the match where I was wishing I was watching the World Cup. I mean, even yeah. <laughs> even Joe Coffey was on Twitter. I mean, there was the Coffey Brothers angle right before this and during this, and Joe Coffey was tweeting about the football. Even he couldn't be bothered. Uh, it was very much the the ICW <laughs> section of the evening. This, uh, I wonder if he'll get in trouble for that. But yeah, it was it was cool heel with TV time versus. Wolfgang who gets you sparingly and Adam Cole was clearly the star and Wolfgang was clearly never winning so yeah you didn't uh, didn't miss too much there Ali. And then next up we had Velveteen Dream and EC3 against Ricochet and Alistair Black and this not really in our remit being as it's a full on NXT match so I guess uh, check out up next to uh, hear any chatter about that one and then after that we had Tony Storm who obviously won the match the night before taking on Shayna Baszler and uh, only seen a few Shayna Baszler matches but this was uh, the best one I've seen so far I mean she completely bossed it I thought Tony worked really well coming from underneath and um, I, I really enjoyed this one when I wasn't expecting much from it Ollie. Yeah, I'm still not particularly all in on Baszler from what I've seen of her. Uh, she's a poor woman's Wesner. Wesna. <laughs> um, but yeah, Tony Storm, obviously excellent and probably will eventually end up on WWE. And when she, like, out of everybody else on this card who hadn't already appeared for WWE, she looked like the person who belonged there the most, uh, if that makes any sense. Because uh, she was, like, 
I mean, she looked better than Baszler, um, which is no real surprise. Um, and she could be on TV tomorrow. It's the same thing I said about Kenny Williams, and now he is on their TV. But she could be on that main roster tomorrow um, and fit in perfectly. Like, she has had the look for ages. She's had the ability for ages. Um, maybe her promo skills are still a bit, like, adorkable for a main roster where you have to, you know, deliver your lines with uh, rigid authority. <laughs> I don't think Vince will maybe understand, like, her personality. Um, but, yeah. Excellent performance from Storm here. Um, they kind of wanted to have her have their cake and eat it with the finish of the count out. Um, they want to protect Storm for the brand, but also put over Baszler. So I think maybe I would have preferred a more definitive finish, but you know I'm not going to get too hung up on that. Yeah, it did feel like. I mean, I, I I liked the match. I think in isolation it was a great match. I thought Baszler was great on top, and Tony Storm. As much as we don't see it a lot, she was great as kind of the underdog babyface. When was the last time, I suppose, in this country you see Tony Storm in that role in progress? Yeah. She's rolling over everybody, isn't she? And in this yeah, scenario. Yeah, she's always the dominant party. And in this, yeah, very much the underdog. The underdog, exactly. And I kind of I liked her in that role. I thought she was great. I thought her hope spots were great when she, she got a roll up out of the choke, which, again, if I didn't know the results, I definitely would have bought. Um, so I thought she looked good, um, although... I, it did feel like in the finishing stretch. I think if, I, if I'm building a, a UK division and Tony Storm is on board, I might have given her a little bit more. They did give her the get out of jail free with the with the count out, but I just wonder whether you know if she could have got a little bit more offense towards the end of the match. But it was still clear, you know, from this match and, and from night one, Tony Storm is clearly the star for this women's division. So I think we'll uh, I think she's she's one person who we're going to see a lot of, and we'll probably see protected a little bit more. Um, that was one thing I didn't like about this show seeing the the nxt us stars kind of go over in this kind of a fashion <laughs> especially if you're trying to build that uk brand but there's plenty of time and i'm sure uh, tony storm will get over it and we're on to the main event and uh zach gibson he'd uh, really come full circle here uh, did a fantastic job of uh, building him up as a, a massive heel as uh, midway through this match everyone was taking the shoes off and saying shoes off if you hate <laughs> gibson i mean uh, really a sight to see watching it on on the networks. Obviously, I'd seen uh, people say that this had happened at the live show, and fantastic sight to see on on the network. And um, this was a great match, um, a great ending to the tournament. Uh, near falls galore. Um, re- I was, I, I mean, I knew the results going into this, but um, even towards the end, I was wondering if Gibson was going to win. I was like, oh yeah, done, <laughs> done, retained. So uh, yeah, absolutely fantastic work from both guys here, Ollie. Yeah, obviously, this was Zach Gibson's tournament and Zach Gibson's um, duo of shows. Um, shoes off if you hate Gibson. Uh, I don't think we've ever heard that one in WWE before, so <laughs> that was very good for him. Uh, I didn't enjoy this one as much as the final against Banks. Um, like, I'm, I, Kind of for me, the jury's still out on Pete Dunne as a babyface. Like, as a heel, he's obviously excellent and like a premier performer. But like against Gibson, his character work kind of got drowned out by Gibson. Like um, I know other people were higher on him as a as a face than I was. But yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm still not quite getting it. If they want him to be like the baby face of the brand, I, especially if like Triple H is you know raising his arm at the end of the show and promoting him as his boy, like <laughs> it's it's all a bit of a, a dissonance to me. Um, and it's almost a shame that they had to beat Gibson so quickly. Like, obviously, they can build him up again with if they're going to be doing uh, monthly tapings and obviously having a weekly show. Gibson can be a, a big part of that. But it's a shame after all the great job they built him up on night one, but he just loses on night two. 
Like, yeah. obviously, you want Dunn to be the face and Dunn to have the title. Um, and I'm not advocating a dusty finish, a screwy finish to, to end, your, end your tournament weekend. But I don't know. I, maybe they could have reserved this one for down the line for I'll come to the next show to see Gibson and properly built him up because that will take a while longer to get there. I think I might have took the belt off done, to be honest, because I was kind of coming in after the spoilers came out at night one. I think you do need a bit of a reboot for WWE UK. Yeah. He's been a champion for a long time. I wonder what the damage would have been in putting the belt on Gibson and, and resetting up with a heel champion for everyone to face. Because, yeah, as you mentioned, all these Pete Dunn's kind of morphed into this. He's not a heel, he's not a face, or I suppose it depends on the scenario kind of <laughs> wrestler. And I love him, but and I think, Part of that's the fact that everyone wants to cheer him anyway. So how effective would he be in this setting as a heel? But yeah, I think I I might have been tempted to to re- refresh things here and reset reset uh, the booking and and put Gibson on top. But I, I still think yeah, it was although it was unfortunate to to see him lose. I think it, it was a it was a match where you know as you said, Martin, I was right there with you buying in on some of the the Gibson near falls when he got that second Shankly Gates and Nigel McGuinness is going crazy on commentary, <laughs> uh, apparently standing up in the booth. And I think he was just made up because that used to be his finisher and he was well into Gibson. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I really I really bought those moments. So I still think that even in loss, the fact that they gave it the the epic main event style match with the you know finishes off the top and, and all kinds getting thrown in there, I still think that, uh, that Gibson looks, looked really strong. Um, and it felt like a, a very fresh match as well because I think WWK is a little bit stale and it has been despite the the lack of shows that they've done and this is a match where i think they've wrestled before in future shock um, i can't picture where else uh, they've had a match but it, it did feel like a like a fresh match up and yeah hopefully uh gibson's days to come I'd, I'd rather see him in this role as a as a focused on heel um i think him and james drake are a good tag team uh, and the temptation might be to team them up and have them go after the tag belts. But I do think uh, if we learnt anything from these two days, it's that uh, Zach Gibson should be a, a top player with WWE UK. So um, we ended it with the whole NXT UK crew coming out, uh, the ones that we'd seen in the tournament, and then it also seemed to include Eddie Dennis, Wildborn, Mike Hitchman, and uh, Nina Samuels. Uh, Nina Samuels had been uh, pictured in the crowd uh, the night before as, as Triple H... Uh, so, uh, cut a promo. So NXT UK, the big announcement that everyone had been waiting for, uh, starts taping next month in Cambridge. I mean, uh, we've talked about this uh, ad nauseum on the show about this whole WWE UK experiment. Benno, what are your thoughts on uh, NXT UK going forward? Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to monitor. I think, uh, I think... Again, I'm not. It's an extra hour of, I assume, an hour. Hopefully, not two. I did think both of these shows were a little bit long <laughs> for what they were, and I was even like going into day two. I was kind of like, "Ah, oh, again, can, can we not wait a week for another show? I haven't got three hours to, to spare here." I think they were both good shows, and I think I went in pessimistic, but I've came out quietly positive, at least as far as the in ring goes. But I think it's yeah, it's all going to depend on yeah what the. You know they're going to be launching soon. I believe it's uh, sometime towards the end of next month. Um, we're going to get to start seeing these shows coming out. I'll be I'll be interested in watching them. I think it's going to be a big story. Um, and obviously with them having tapings going through into November, December, as much as we kind of look at it and go, well, they're only jumping because of ITV. They've at least committed to the year. Um, so I guess we we can take stock. Uh, again at the end of the year but yeah i think they did some some good things over these two days namely getting over zach gibson namely getting travis banks uh, set up in his rightful babyface role and, and also getting tony stormer over to a point as well so yeah i think i'm quietly more positive than a, than i was going in 
Yeah, I'm quite cautiously optimistic about it. Um, obviously, you know, Red Pro promoter Andy Quilden has talked on his podcast at length that they're no longer able to use wrestlers affiliated uh, with NXT UK or WWE, and um, we, we've not really seen any other effects on other promotions just yet. I mean, uh, we'll wait and see on that one. But um, I, I, I went into these shows, obviously, knowing all the results, and um, I wasn't that enthused by them. But um, after the finals, I was quite enthusiastic. Um, Ollie, any enthusiasm for this NXT UK brand? Uh, I'm sort of the other way of you guys, sort of cautiously negative on it. Like, I'll give it another chance, certainly. Um, but I think it's, as you say, like, the damage is done to Andy Q and the Floating Dream Factory in Rev Pro that they can't use any of these guys anymore. And obviously that was a bit, um, <laughs> like, Triple H went in saying, oh, there'll be no limitations. And I think a lot <laughs> of these guys signed their deals not really knowing what the limitations would be. And... I, that's a bit, uh, you know, <laughs> problematic on on the WWE's behalf. But I mean, that's their MO, isn't it? To snuff out competition. And that's why they're doing it in the first place. In terms of like the creative, um, I thought this tournament was good. Um, I wasn't as up on the second night because it was more NXT focused. Mm. But I thought the tournament told a good story. I do worry about fatigue with this though. Like the two tournaments have been really fun because they were tournaments and basically any tournament you can get into like look at the world cup everyone <laughs> is into that whether they're into football or not if if you have something in a tournament it automatically makes the story easier to follow and easier to get into um whereas a weekly tv show uh based around these guys might be a lot more difficult especially if people are coming and going up uh to nxt proper or the main roster it'll be interesting to see how that all works out whether people will get time and also, hopefully, that it doesn't just consume the entirety of BritRess, <laughs> because that would be very bad, because it means that we would just have to talk about WWE forever, like every other podcast out there. And we have a niche, damn it. <laughs> yeah, that is, yeah, you, would, you certainly wouldn't want that to happen. So I, I guess it's uh, like with most things in UK wrestling, wait and see. And uh, before we head out of here, we've got a packed weekend of uh, wrestling coming up. We've got the Red Pro uh, New Japan shows that we uh, previewed last month, uh, Fight Club Pro have got their international techers event this Friday, and uh, Will Ospreay is done in his promoters at once more with the uh, first show by Frontline Wrestling. Ollie, you mentioned it earlier. This is a uh, you're off to this one on uh, tomorrow on Thursday in London, yeah. and uh, he's assembled uh, quite an interesting lineup for it. Yeah, definitely. The main event is almost like Chris Ridgway's coming out party. I know he had um, the main event of the last Progress chapter in the Natural Progression series which is obviously a big step for him, but this really feels like a Chris Ridgway match. It, it tailored for him. Uh, the Noah Starkeno is essentially kind of like the Japanese Chris Ridgway. They're both going to kick each other's backs very, very hard and be very no-nonsense. And I think a hell of a lot of criticism from Lucha Forever, regardless of business stuff, was that you know they didn't bring in any Lucha guys and the style was not Lucha. Whereas in this, now it is just Osprey's vision. He's the only guy uh behind it you know he is running it in his vision of british pure resu as and as lame as it sounds <laughs> the card that he's created is does actually reflect that he's got two japanese guys on it with noyuki tanazaki and keno uh, but also a load of guys who have been in japan um re recently obviously tony storm and b Priestley against each other and kelly six and mark haskins going up against another ex dragon gate guy tanazaki it does feel kind of authentically British Puro as yeah, it doesn't mean anything, but it does. 
like what he's created is quite cool and obviously i'll wait until the show's actually happened to fully judge it but like the lineup and the branding the, the atmosphere is a lot more positive than lucha forever was which i think got a lot of things wrong um i think osprey has matured <laughs> since lucha forever even though that was only a year ago i think he has um, a lot more good boy points than he had this time last year so i'm i'm optimistic about it and looking forward to seeing the show yeah, it seems Osprey's a, a, a quite a very interesting lineup as you noted there, um, Ollie. And obviously, he's not put himself on the show here. Uh, Benno, what are your thoughts on um, on this first uh, venture from Frontline Wrestling? Yeah, I think that was kind of my biggest takeaway that he's not on the show. I definitely, I, I mean, there's obviously bad history uh, throughout Brit Res of promoters putting themselves on shows, but when you will Osprey, I think you can you can let that one go. Uh, they look interesting. I think the branding is interesting. I can't say I'm hugely excited by Rampage Brown and Rob Lynch. That's one that uh, oh no, it's it's, it's it's Rob Lynch versus Sticks. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah, oh, Rampage Brown's injured, so for oh. returning to London, Sticks. Can oh, okay. you believe it? <laughs> That's a bit more interesting. Yeah, I mean, it looks like an okay card. I think, I think, uh, like Ollie said, the main event. It's going to be. It, it Ridgeway has been ready to break out for and it feels like we've been saying that maybe for a year or so and i think this this will be an important match for him um it's a show full of seems like osprey and b Priestley's mates um which is great which is fine too um and it does have a, a unique brand and let's just hope he he has learned his lesson from from lucha forever and yeah somebody else is hopefully managing the financial side of things and there's a there's a bit more uh preparation put into the shows and a bit more accountability than uh than was taken for lucha forever uh definitely some still some fans out there bitter about mm-hmm. uh, that whole experiment but yeah i think we'll, we'll wait and see and uh, it does look like a an interesting card and again like ollie said uh, an interesting presentation something that's maybe not fully been attempted over here so yeah I'll, I'll go in with an open mind for sure well you can tell they've definitely learned lessons uh, from lucha forever by the fact that they've not announced uh, 12 more shows before this first <laughs> one's taken place so, uh... <laughs> <laughs> still waiting for that and um, yeah, before we head out of here, be sure to head over to postwrestling.com, check out all the rest of the shows. There's a really great uh, audio tribute to Vader that uh, John Pollock dropped the other day, uh, really worth checking out. And um, of course, the Post Wrestling Forum, leave us your feedback for this week's show. And thanks for listening, and we'll be back on the 11th of July with full reviews of the Strong Style Evolved UK shows and all the latest from British, Irish and German wrestling scenes.